Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. This is probably going to be the uh, last episode in the, the series we've done on, on how we work on projects. Maybe we'll think of something down the road, but we're basically talking about wrapping up the project. How do you know when you're done? What happens when you're done? <laughs> Those sorts of things. So it kind of seems like a logical ending point for um, what we've been talking through. But it's a surprisingly complex question because a lot of times you would assume, well, I'm done when I'm done with the project. Like, what's the question? But uh, it's more nuanced than that. So let's let's talk through it, Aaron. What do you say? Sure. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, that's the first question. Is what does done mean? Yeah. Well, and it probably goes back to the very beginning, which is you have to specify what the goal of the project is. You might say, well, the goal of the project is to build the app or to you know launch the site or something, but it's got to be more concrete than that because otherwise you can th always think of things to do, right? You could always mm -hmm. write more tests or you could polish up that rounded corner on a button. I mean, there, it, it's, it's an endless stream of potential work to do. So you have to ideally in the project proposal define what are we building? How will we know when it's done? And you know, what is the scope of this project? So you can actually look at it and be like, yes, we actually are done. Yeah, you made it sound like uh, on average, it's the developer wants to keep it going. It's usually the, the <laughs> client that's like, I have more <laughs> features and what about this? And we forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think most projects go on longer because the developers are like, I, I would, I know you want to be done, but I need to spend a little bit more time <laughs> writing more unit tests. I mean, ideally we would, but I, I think it's probably more right. like, you know, oh, we discovered this, or is this a bug or whatever, or a yeah. feature that's not defined and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's usually not us dragging it out, that's for sure. But but so let's let's assume we have that spec, and it, the spec, the proposal where you define what the scope is, should also define what the timeline is. And so it's not just purely a deliverable, but it's a deliverable and a timeline uh, that go hand in hand. And so that, that kind of takes off the table the the uh, a client or anybody you know really kind of trying to drag it out um, because there's all these other things that could be done. It's like, well, no, this is the deliverable, and this was the time frame we gave. So when we hit that time frame, you know, if you still want to continue testing it and, and before we launch it, that's fine. But we're done in the sense that the project is complete, uh, especially if that's tied to like a final payment or something. Yeah, I, I still think that's complicated though because when you think about it, like they could pay you. And so you consider you're done, but then yeah. they're still testing and they're still finding more. Right. Right. So, so the, the little bit of special sauce that I don't know if you're going to mention or not is it, it has a lot to do with the entire project timelines communication. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you go through the project, I know we don't like to have meetings. We rather just put your head down and develop or whatnot, but you, you need to stay connected with your client and give them yeah. understandings of this stuff. And so the idea is, Actually, most of the programmers, they're good people. We're good people. We're, we're, we're <laughs> nice, friendly, smart. Okay. And so when someone, someone gets to know us and understands that mm -hmm. we want the best for the project too, uh, you have this conversation. And so at the end, it isn't you just suddenly saying, yeah, I disappeared for three months. Now here it is. And bye. Right. They, they, oh, had, they had known that, you know, over this time, it's mm -hmm. like, well, we're getting towards the end. We're getting towards the end. And we're going to have a conversation. And it's like, okay, now remember how we talked about this is the end of the project. You know, if we find anything more, it's going to be a new sort of declaration. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of a good time to 
transition the conversation into like that post launch or post project support because we don't want to give the impression like okay we're done we cut and run we'll never talk to you again <laughs> like the, the reality mm-hmm. is once something goes live there's a period of time where you're kind of the bugs are shaking out of it right like n- nothing I, speaking for myself nothing i've ever launched has been 100 perfect and has not required at least a few bug fixes like it's just it's just the reality so Mm-hmm. we build in to that same timeline, a period of post-launch support. And it's going to kind of depend on the size of the project, right? Like if you're working on a project for a year, you're not going to be like, well, we'll support it for a week and then we're done, right? So if it's a longer project, it generally will have a little a corresponding longer um, support period. But in our case, I mean, like I'm just thinking back on some projects, like usually a month or two is kind of par for the course. Like, you know, that's enough time for it to be live for enough real users to interact with it, that anything serious, of course, would be found. And, and usually even a lot of little things will be found in that time frame as well. We'll put that in our proposal too, saying like, here's our, our time frame of, mm-hmm. of, of testing. And then if you want more after that, yep. we're not going anywhere, but it's going to be a new project. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the other thing is this happens in a lot of other industries because and it's fine, you know. You might hear some horror stories, but they they set expectations properly, so that's something we can learn. So mm-hmm. builders who build your house, you have a move-in date where you then go into the house or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and maybe they'll fix a few things afterwards. But you're not going to call them three, five months later and be like, "Oh, well, um, this this whatever is is you know broken now." They're like, "You got the house, you accepted it." You know, <laughs> same thing with same, with cars too. You know, like yeah, right. You know, you you buy it, and then maybe the first week or something, they're like, "Oh, well, the air conditioner broke." They're like, "Okay, fine," but like after the first week or two, they're like, "Well, I mean, you bought the car." Yeah, <laughs> so you can't be like, you know, I really I just don't like this color wall. Could we redo that? Um, is it? Yeah. You know, it's. A, I know it's been six months since we moved in. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, that's a good like a, a concrete example like that is useful for framing this. Now you mentioned if something else comes up, oh, that's another project. And and so one of the things that's kind of like a, a, a gray area, if you will, or maybe something that a client certainly would think about if they're not technical is maintenance. I mean, for example, mm-hmm. we're building apps in Laravel. Uh, Laravel has roughly an annual release cycle for major versions. And in between, there's all sorts of other things that may be important like security fixes or you know versions of php as well and so that's that's something that is important to communicate as well and we don't do things like that i mean unless it's a critical security issue like we normally wouldn't include upgrading laravel as part of the post release support period that would generally either be a separate maintenance contract or just something we'd bundle in with the future project i i think there's also a point that we try to educate our clients in saying that you know, there is maintenance, there's maintenance mm-hmm. to software, like there's maintenance to everything else. Yep. And just like everything else, I, I, I go with cars a lot. You know, you can pay to have your oil changed and not, like, I don't want to pay that hundred bucks that oil changed, you know, or whatever. And you're like, that's mm-hmm. way too much. Right. Right. Um, but if you don't change your oil, it's many, many thousands to replace <laughs> an engine, yeah. you know? So that's kind of how I try to explain it. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, everything has maintenance. Your house has maintenance. Car does your garden. My garden. You got to weed your garden. <laughs> okay. All right. I see where you're going. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it also kind of depends on the team we're working with. So if it's a non-technical, you know, founder or something, and, and we are the only developers, that's a little different than if we're working with a company that maybe has a team of developers. Mm-hmm. And some of this maintenance stuff might just fall on them. Like it, it, we don't need to do it. It's not, 
yeah um really complicated work especially if you if you have a good test suite and things are documented well like, uh, like upgrading to the next major version shouldn't be a multi-month project it should be relatively straightforward but so, so those are the things but like you said communication is key so it's not a a surprise conversation three months post launch like hey you know we need to do another huge project to update this like no it, it we, we educate them much earlier in the process so they can decide how to handle that there's some weird things i catch myself doing and i hope you can relate somewhat aaron that i don't feel <laughs> quite as weird but i'll give you an ex a couple examples I'll get like these weird patterns of thought. So for example, this was a while ago, but I noticed I'd be in the shower and I'd always be see singing. It's not easy being green by Kermit the frog. And I'm like, what? why, <laughs> why do I always sing the song in the shower? And I, like, I, I had like a moment of self-reflection because it's not like I walk around the house all day singing that song. And I, but I caught mm. myself doing it like several days in a row. And then I realized when I go to my dresser to get clothes to take into the shower, on top of the dresser at the back, there was a book with a picture of Kermit the Frog on it. And somehow that like got into my mind and the natural occurrence, the natural pattern of thought was I would be singing, it's not easy being green. I mean, there's a lot of questions I have. <laughs> okay. um, but one of them would be like, why do you have a book in your bedroom, you adult, with uh, Kermit the Frog on it? I could say I have kids and that's why, but that's actually not the reason, <laughs> it, but it, it was more of like a philosophical Muppets book that was like inspirational quotes and stuff. I, I don't know. This was a long time ago. I don't even know where the book is, but that's the real answer. Mm. I thought you were going to say something like, like how I find now that whenever I sit down, I creak and groan. Like I, I'll sit down and I'm like, oh. Like, I, I don't know if that's just getting old or like, <laughs> and I didn't really notice, oh, oh and it was that, or like, I'll, I'll sit down and go, oh, mm -hmm. I didn't really notice until I had a visitor the other day. And after the third time, she's like, what are you doing? Why are you making so many sounds? I'm like, I'm making sounds. Oh, no. Yeah, it's along those lines. Let, let me give you one more weird example. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> when I, when I make coffee in the morning. I open the cabinet and inside, you know, there's a bunch of things in, in this cabinet, but one of them is a box of salt and it's Morton brand salt. And like, you know, you see at the top or sometimes the bottom of boxes, they'll have like a lot code, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. like numbers and letters to identify it in case there's like a dead mouse in it or something and you have to call and complain. So this one had at the top of it, like VG148 or something. So for some reason, every time I open that cabinet and I see that box of salt, I think about the actor from Lord of the Rings and I say, Vigo Morton salt. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and it, like, it's not like I prepare to open the cabinet and I'm like, I'm going to say that, but I just see it. And that's what my, where my brain goes. And I'm like, oh man, Joel, come on. <laughs> How do you know your Laravel site isn't being hacked? Well, security is one of the things we talk about on MasteringLaravel.io. There's a free ebook you can download with practical tips to secure your Laravel app. 